You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Please don't ever do that again. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. The podcast intro is coming in, and Melinda starts dancing and making an I love you sign, I guess, as a gang sign with your hand. I didn't even pay attention to what I was throwing up. Yeah, you were throwing up. <laughs> I was about to be throwing up. <laughs> Anyways, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody good? Yep. It's been a good week, right? Yeah. I can't even remember what happened no. this week. Now. <laughs> when said, I said yep, that. Yep, and he said no. <laughs> It's like we're a TV just, show. We're just being supposed pony. to say, yeah, it's, yeah, it was good. I can't even remember what happened this week at all. I remember yesterday. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Like, I really, I don't. Um, yeah. So, anyways, been a, apparently it's been a good week and we have nothing to complain about. Um, yeah. So, today uh, we want to talk about, I guess I'll just get right into it. I don't have anything else. I, still, I can't get the image of you with your I love you sign in your hand. <laughs> I guess supposed to be a gang sign, <laughs> Jesus gang. Well, you uh, can just throw it right back up so I can feel it, the love. All right, so today we're going to talk. <laughs> all right, sorry, we got to get it together. All right, today we're going to talk about leaving the mission field. Um, we're not leaving. Are you leaving? No. Nope. Okay, just want to make sure. But um, no, th- this is a, a topic that, we we had a friend here over the weekend, and um, we talked about it a little bit with her. And actually, we wanted to have her on the episode. She's a missionary as well in uh, Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Um, she used to live here. We wanted to have her, her on, but she was only here for one night, and it just, you know, wasn't time. But anyways, um, there's just this weird concept that, that we, not concept, we, we don't, so in missions there exists like this, like everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people, there comes a time to leave. And we can talk about leaving well and stuff, I guess, but there is this um, idea or that a missionary who leaves is a failed missionary. And I think, I do think other missionaries see it like that. Even so, let's say if I leave today, obviously Melinda would leave too. So I bid for, just for example sake, if we're all three separate missionaries, if I was to leave today, and I, you two wouldn't, but in the normal circumstances, Privately, some other missionaries, not all, but would see me as a failure just for leaving. Doesn't really matter, you know. And it's a very weird, and I, guess I can't speak for every missionary everywhere, but I have seen it and I've heard some of the kind of whispers or whatever, you know, over the years and stuff. And it's a very weird thing. But then also, uh, sometimes other people don't see it, but the missionary feels like a failure yeah. for leaving. Mm. And like, my, I guess my question is, why, why is that? Why? I mean, it's a question, like... Oh, I thought you were going to go on it. No, no, no. Well, I think some people, um, it just depends on the conditions, right? Uh, The condition of why the person leaves. So we've we've known people that have to leave because their parents are sick and they had to go home to take care of their parents. Mm -hmm. And so they're constantly missing. They're torn between the love of their parents and wanting to take care of them and missing what they believe God called them to do and their, their passion and what their life had been for years already, you know, and so... Um, I think that 
within them exists a conflict and it's it's ongoing even after they get back home they're always thinking about where they were what they were doing and how they miss it because it became life for them you know um and so i think in those cases it's not i failed um but other people have and could see them as like oh they just found any excuse to leave they must have wanted to leave and i've heard those kind of things being said about people. Oh, they just found any reason to leave. Why won't they just be honest and say, oh, we couldn't make it here or we couldn't do that here. And I think, it, I think in those kind of um, remarks come from um, wanting to feel good about what we're doing. We, we're still here. We still made it. We're still making it. Um, but besides that, I don't know why any other missionary would look down on someone else who, who decided to, to go back to their home country. It's weird because, like, I mean, I, I mean, obviously over the years we've had a lot of friends who've left. And not not all, but some, like, you have conversations with them. And it's like this draggy thing. And, you can, I mean, you can sense it. Like, there's a sense of failure and just kind of feeling like they let, I don't know if it's let God down or let the people. I don't really know. I don't, I don't know what the, you know. I don't know. I don't know what the what the what that sense is of like of feeling like you're letting people down or or letting yourself down. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what it is. But then you see some people that go back and they just you can the way they live is just kind of like uh I don't say moping around cuz I'm not accusing the person. That's not the right word. Um but kind of dragging through life. Mm-hmm. And like almost like oh, I failed at what my purpose was and so now I just I'm condemned to live a regular life for the re- you know and there's a lot of issues there, I think. You know, I guess identity missions is not... I'd say we're, we live here, but we are not identified by the title of missionary. And I think maybe that's the first step, is identifying ourselves by our title. Whether you're a pastor, an elder, a deacon, or a car mechanic, or, you know, a janitor, or a doctor, whatever. You're not, you can't identify yourself by that title. And the same thing goes for missionary. And, and even maybe in some cases, um, kind of like exalting that title a little bit higher than absolutely. the person mm-hmm. who works uh, at their nine to five as a oh, absolutely. business person absolutely. or whatever. Yeah. And it's a poor theology of work, right? Like yeah. not understanding that God is big enough to, there's purpose in everything, first of all. And God is big enough to use anybody in anything. He doesn't, but we have created this structure, this like this uh, hierarchy Mm-hmm. In churches of there's pastors and missionaries and stuff mm-hmm. up top on God's spiritual like dean's list, and then there's everybody else, and it's kind of like, oh, some people are called, and then the rest of you just work your jobs and give the rest money, and that's not that that's that's not that's not the way it works. That's, it was never ever meant to be you know thought of or seen that way. Like we're all here for the same purpose, and we mm-hmm. can do it in different ways in different areas, but they're all of equal importance. And, um, you know, we're, we're called to reflect the glory of God in everything that we do, period. Whether you're the president or whether you are, you know, um, I don't know, anything else. It doesn't matter. I don't want to say it like it's on the other end of it. I don't want to say any yeah. title because that's not that was my point. But just anything. Like you're called to, you know, glorify God in what you do. And I think clinging to that, you know, in, in missions, you can be really successful wanting to give God glory in everything you do. But then also, definitely, you'll be sad when it's time to leave, or if it, if there comes a time to leave, or who knows, everybody's different. But you will also go into your new season, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and if you're moving to North Dakota after, then you still understand that you're on mission. 
like even oh but i'm just working on the pipes pipelines or whatever you don't know anything about that but simon's like oh yeah sure <laughs> but like if you know if you're working on that stuff in north dakota you still you're still you can still do that to the glory of god it doesn't make like oh well you were a missionary before and you worked for god now you just work mm. and then you have to be downtrodden and sad and stuff like that you know it's not not everybody again not everybody but there are a lot of you know a lot of missionaries who who go back and you could tell they feel worthless and it's not it's the, it's the complete opposite you're still as you know uh as qualified as you were before you're only qualified through the blood of jesus anyways so you weren't qualified by taking your title of missionary you weren't qualified by answering the quote-unquote call to go overseas you weren't qualified by any of that in the first place you're qualified by who who god is and what he did for us you know mm-hmm. and so that doesn't change regardless of where you're you know what i mean regardless of where you're working whether you're on the mission field or your pastor somewhere or whether you work at mcdonald's in i don't know somewhere in england can't think of any places off the top of my head besides london <laughs> <laughs> but somewhere like that i don't know i think it's a it, it it's it's created somewhat of a toxic mm. thing because i see a toxic culture i guess you can say because you see people being affected by it for their whole lives like feeling like failures for years and years to come because not, and then just even having to defend I mean, that's the thing too is having to defend the decision to leave like who do you have, who do you owe a, you know a defense to and, and like i don't know we heard i've heard people say and not maliciously but i've heard when we first started oh yeah i had friends and they just didn't make it yeah like wait what do you mean they didn't make it now, in the beginning you know, i didn't know anything so i was like oh man i hope i make it but it's just that small seed yeah it's like what do you so they say they didn't make it they only lasted two years that's what they say and so it's like now, for me, as a new missionary, I'm identifying by making it or success by lasting more than two years. And, I mean, this, is, this opens Pandora's box for me because like, there's so many things to talk about there. But, like, I don't want to be all over the place. But yeah. I don't know. What do you think about the issue? Uh, I think a lot of it can come down to the sense of, like, justification of, of what it is you're doing. Like... Whether, you, whether people say it out loud before going or whether it's said to them, I think for some people there's, there's a sense of, oh, I'm going to go to Trinidad, Bolivia. I'm going to bring revival to that place. Mm. You're sending churches like, oh, he's going to Trinidad, Bolivia. He's going to bring revival to that place. And then you get there, two years pass, five years pass. So-and-so is still addicted to alcohol. So-and-so is still in an abusive relationship. The church still only has 20 people. And all of a sudden yeah. you're like, oh, man, I need to go back. And you're like... You look at it and think, oh, I haven't brought revival to yeah. that place. Whether you say it out loud or whether anyone says it to mm-hmm. you, I think consciously it's going to be there in the back of your mind of, oh, I've been here five years, I'm leaving now, and I haven't done that massive thing that I pictured five years ago. Because yeah. I know before coming here, I would, I'd go out for a walk with my dog uh-huh. and music would be playing. And I found myself unconsciously picturing scenarios that were yeah. going to happen in a place that I had no idea what it looked <laughs> So I was picturing what Trinidad streets looked like and I was picturing my interactions wrong, with people. You? I was very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you picture these scenarios in your, hap- in, in, in your head and you, so you always come out as the hero and you're like, wow, mm. didn't I do a good job there? And you're like <laughs> building yourself up before you've already yeah. left. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm out walking my dog in West Sussex, United Kingdom, picturing about all these amazing things I'm going to be doing in Trinidad, Bolivia. And then you get there and like the reality hits you hard or, or whatever and things don't go how you imaged them. And, and then all of a sudden you find yourself back or whatever happens. Yeah. Um, and you're like, wow, I, I didn't do all those things yeah. that I pitched in the head. And I think there's that part of you that might go, oh, well, you know, I failed yeah. because you didn't do that. So I think that might. 
so, so do you feel like the I mean the problem in some obviously we're not talking about every case but in some cases would be I would I, this sounds I'm trying to word it right so it doesn't sound like I'm I'm not it's not cause I'm just this is a good conversation like not setting the bar too high because you can't set the bar too high mm-hmm. but I don't know how I would word that do, like do you feel like people are setting an unreal or trying to determine something in, undeterminable if that's a word I don't know what we'll to say it is for today everybody understands that do you know what I'm saying like you understand what I'm asking I think so <laughs> that's a no <laughs> I think maybe maybe this would make 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 it a little bit clearer. I think sometimes we we um, can confuse what evangelism missions looks like and mm-hmm. what I don't know if there's a whole another title of what just mission like long term missions looks like. So your short term missions, right? You're out in the street for hours. You are specifically targeting a group of people at a certain time for this specific reason, right? And mm. so at the end, you're always gonna do an altar call, pass out your tracks, yeah. raise your hand if you accepted Christ and you have those numbers, mm-hmm. right? But when you do missions long-term, you are involved with your neighbor. you not involved, but you know, you are building relationships with your neighbors and in your churches. And, and you're looking more towards a discipleship process or a long-term um, change and not just an individual, but in a community. And that doesn't, res- produce quick numbers mm. for you you know yeah and so that can get discouraging because like you said man he's still um sh- uh, drinking alcohol or or abusing his wife or she's still struggling with this that is the same case for people who come on short-term mission trips or evangelists but they don't ever find out that he's a drunk in the first place because mm-hmm. they just say raise your hand i'm not i'm not saying this is not important because people need to hear about Christ and, you know, the good news, and they need to give, be given that opportunity to, to accept them, you know. Mm. Um, but I think what we do is different, but in our minds, we're, we're thinking evangelistic results when we go on the field to be a long-term missionary. You know? I was talking to um, Miguel, Miguel last night about, um, I'm reading a book right now, and um, in the book, they're talking about a certain way of doing it. Basically, basically, the way they see evangelism is essentially what it's about. And they talk about how they do relationships. So they, they do like these, um, like they have small groups and stuff, and they invite people to small groups. And they kind of bring, they spend time with people and bring them on like that. And share the gospel with them, yes, but they're not like, I'm going to call Johnny over so we can share the gospel with them. It's like, I'm going to call Johnny over so we can watch the football game. And we're going to build a relationship with Johnny. And because we're Christians... We share the gospel. Not we feel pressured to share the gospel. We share the gospel. We talk about Jesus all the time. Mm-hmm. So there's never an awkward moment of like, okay, this is the moment. Like they casually talk about Jesus in front of and to Johnny as they would anyone else. And so through that, they've built their churches and stuff and um, and just really solid Christians, and, you know, because they've become. So we talked about this over the weekend, too, is Christians start tend to start with law instead of love. But Jesus didn't start with put a tie on. Which is not a law anyways, but it's something that, you know, people do at churches here. It's like, oh, you, you can't come in, you have short torn or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're starting with law, which that's not even a law, but it's a made up, it's a different, that's sinful. To do. Anyways, it's a different thing. But coming in and saying, like, you don't fit what I want, so you, you become gatekeepers to Jesus or whatever, you know. And so um, we start with that, but Jesus started with love. And so that's their thing is they're saying, okay, we want to build relationships with these people. And that's something I've been saying lately is uh, build long-term relationships that produce eternal results, you know. Um, And so for them, there was a guy that came into the church, going back to the example, there's a guy that came into their church and he was calling meetings with the leaders. And because he was, he said that he wanted them to go and preach in the, in the city somewhere 
on the corners and stuff, which there's no no problem with that. You can t- preach in the corner, no problem at all. But his thing was, is like, you have to do this because if we're not doing this, we're not doing ministry. And they had some meetings, you know, kind of back and forth about the way that they do ministry and stuff. And anyways, it came out as, by the end of it all. And the guy said, like, well, honestly, the way you guys do ministry is too big of a commitment for me. I'm not ready for that level of commitment. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, and I'm not accusing anybody that does short-term missions or whatever that, but that, that's, there, there is a difference, you know? And like, so he was trying to make it like what they were doing isn't enough because it didn't demand instant numbers and hand raising or whatever, which again, there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't isolate that and say, this is the only way. Yeah. And he wasn't doing, he, you know, they weren't doing that. And so he was criticizing the way that they did it because it didn't have quick results. But they were saying, we're in it for the grind, long run, like not just results and hand raising, but little like life transformation and developing strong bonds and community. You know, I mean, Jesus tells us the greatest commandments of the Old Testament commandments are to, um, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, so whatever, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. But then Jesus takes the bar higher later on and he says, um, love one another as I have loved you and Jesus gave his life for us and what you know so and he's he came to earth he lived here for 33 years suffered for us you know whatever and so we're to love one another not just as we love ourselves, but now as as we love him and so that change that should change our our approach on the way that we we love people and do ministry and loving people is at the center of it and if if we live here specifically if you don't live here I mean there's not much you can do but if we live here specific specifically we are called more towards loving people. The Bible doesn't tell us to go and seek conversions and hand raising. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's not what, but we are told to love people and engage people and love one another, build the church up, so on and so forth. Um, All the gifts that Paul talks, writes about are for the edification of the church. And so, you know, like, and like you were saying, if we come and we serve in a church and it still has 20 people, that sucks to be honest. Like no one wants to, (laughs) no one wants that to happen. However, are these 20 people growing? You know, and I think that's where have we built strong, lifelong relationships and brotherhoods in, in Christ and whatever with these people? Have we been praying with, growing with, you know, been there through the ups and downs with these people? Because that's what Jesus has commanded us to do. He hasn't necessarily commanded us to go out and find thousands. He has to go and preach to, you know, go and preach the gospel and go make disciples, blah, blah, blah. But he never really put a number on that. It's being faithful. I guess that's the thing is being faithful is being faithful is more important than being successful. And I only say that because we have a different definition of success, but really in the eyes of God, being faithful is being successful, Mm -hmm. you know? And so determining our success by our faithfulness, not by who sees us or what the numbers are, but it, there is, it is hard because like you're saying, like you're both saying, we do have these expectations of, we're talking about another topic, right? Like, but we do have these expectations that we that that ch- churches place on us, and they should because some people are crooks, unfortunately. But we also place on ourselves. We have expectations of of what we would call success, or you know, um, or a church has expectations on. Well, if you say, let's say, how many salvations did you have this year, and you say two, then people will see that and automatically see that as failure. Yeah. And it's not any person's fault. It, or the culture's a little bit sick. Now, that can be a reflection of your laziness. It, 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 it can be, but it doesn't, it's not that simple. It's not that black and white. It doesn't mean you're lazy because you only saw two people you know, respond to you know, 
God's call for salvation over, over this past year. It doesn't mean that at all. You could be faithful in building Christians up or whatever, but there's no way to quantify that. And we look for numbers because it's, it's quantifiable, right? So they can tell or they can feel like, you, you know, they know what you're doing, your, effect, your level of effectiveness. But that's not. So, if, but if I write and I say I had, we saw 300,000 salvations this year, first of all, that's unrealistic. Not because God can't, but like, I feel like God calls his people and brings them when there's a solid place to put them into because God cares just as much about discipleship as he does about conversion. Mm. Um, matter of fact, more because sometimes discipleship even starts before conversion in the midst of that. And so saving people with no place to go. I mean, God wants to save. Uh, this is getting this is going to get sketchy, but God wants everybody to be saved. But God also cares that they have a solid place to go and come into. And who's to say that we're not here to um, just establish a strong church over the next 40 years or every next three years or whatever? So that in the future, the future pastor, future leaders can disciple people to our church. You know, it's it's Moses in the in the desert. He never saw the promised land. You know, um, no one says Moses did a terrible job, but he walked in circles for 40 years. You know what I mean? Like. But Moses did what he was supposed to do. You know what I mean? And like how many of them made it into the promised land? I don't like remember. <laughs> I don't remember. But yeah, like almost the whole generation almost died. Right. Like almost. And then there was a new leader, new everything that entered into the promised land. But it was based on the faithfulness of Moses in the middle of all that, even though Moses didn't see the fruit of that labor. Or what, you know what I mean? So we, it's a team game. And I, there, I get I do get why churches ask those questions because there has to be measurables. Yeah. Otherwise, how do they know you're not just sitting there watching Netflix all day mm-hmm. and just, you know, living the life and going to the pool? You Because, know, like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, that's a real thing that happens, too. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it creates this weird culture of pressure. Where, like you were saying earlier, Simon is like, where you like you when you when you fill out those forms at the end of the month, like you start sweating, like, well, because you know you've been working, yeah, you know you know you see results in individuals, but you can't write you you can't quantify that. Yeah, yeah. Well, before you know, Billy was a drug addict. Now Billy's not a drug addict. Or Billy still is a drug addict. Yeah, but or, he loves Jesus. yeah, or Billy still is a drug addict, but he comes to church more often. <laughs> yeah. now. You know, Billy comes to small group and doesn't smoke anymore in Inside. the in the building. Like you know, like but these are, and I guess yeah. because we come from, like, most churches are connected to uh, sub- suburbia, like, and so that that concept of these of these victories, which are big yeah. victories are looked at as small victories because they're not relevant to the people there, you know? I mean, that exact thing happened to me this past week. One of the guys from football that I've been working with for like the last year, he comes comes pretty much every single day, every single week. He doesn't always play, but he always either hangs out or he plays or something like that. So I've got to know him over the last year. And just this week, he pulled me aside and we had a really good conversation about something that he's going through in life and things like that. And it's like, for me, that was a big victory, but... Like how you can't put that on a on a monthly report or a monthly review and say, oh yeah, a guy that I've worked with for the last year finally had a good conversation with me. It's yeah, like, like, yeah, it doesn't sound good. It's not what we want to hear. Well, Simon's not really. Okay. <laughs> yeah. but it's like for me, it was like, man, that was a year's worth of hard work with a kid to get that one conversation that happened this week. And so it's like, for me, that was a massive win. But yeah. that won't come across on a bit of paper when someone back home is reading it, going a year for one conversation. It comes across as a loss. Yeah, you know. And ministry in hard places, you know, it's just tough. And I'm not excusing because, again, there's a line of laziness and stuff like that. But none of us are being lazy. Like, I know that. It's just hard. Not hard to do ministry, but it's hard to really get to the depths of people and who they are. You know, 
this sounds critical, and I don't, I don't mean it this way, but it's easy if we go do an event right there. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't. But I'm not against that. It, it's easy to do that, to do events and see the people and take the pictures and send it home. It's very easy to do that. But for me, that can become more um, engañoso. What's the word for that? Deceptive. Uh, yeah, more deceptive than though it took me a year to because that, that that can seem like deceptive to people. Oh, he's taking my money and all he's doing is having a conversation with this kid, you know. But on the other end, it's like we just do these events so we can take pictures, and it's kind of deceptive because you don't do those events every day. Mm-hmm. And also, a, unfortunately, a lot of the events done in our city, I'm not speaking for everybody, don't have follow up. So it's not connected to a local church or anything. They're just events. And it's all about getting the people to raise their hand and take a picture of the, all these people with their hands up and send it out. And it triggers emotions and glory to God and whatever. I'm not saying the people that do that are deceptive. I'm not saying it at all. At all. But it can be. Like just doing this to generate money. Because you can get people, you know, you can get people triggered into, into um, what's it called? Uh, conversions or whatever. There's a... Um, I don't remember who told me this story, but there's a missionary somewhere in Asia and um, they would do at their church, they would give out a bag of rice when people would give their life to Christ. And then they realized like after a few weeks, like people were getting saved, like tons of people were getting saved and like they were pumped up and whatever. And then they realized that some of the same people that had already gotten saved were getting yeah. saved again. It was about the free rice, you know? And obviously for, for them, they pointed it out. So they changed it because they just didn't want, but the temptation for a lot of people would be to continue like, oh, well, whatever, you know, whatever. Well, glory to God. Well, it doesn't matter. He does. And we say those excuses so that it can look good so that we can impress people back home and we can feel like, you know, we're worthy of their, them sending their money or we're worthy of the work or whatever. I, whew, I don't know. It's a very sticky and toxic culture, but there's no easy fix for it. You know, I think the the church and missionaries both understanding missions and uh, the church, need, the missionaries need to understand the church's perspective, definitely. But the church needs to understand the missionary's perspective as well. Because, yeah. like, we've had this said to us. Well, I have a friend who lives in Africa, and they do this, this, and this. Well, I'm not your friend, and I don't live in Africa. I am black, but I don't live in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, you know, it's just different. Or in Africa, you can live off of, like, we were doing our budget in the beginning. Mm. Well, in, in Africa, you can live off of such and What does the economy in Africa have anything to do with the economy in Bolivia? Oh, your rent costs, was it $250 a month? In Africa, there's somebody that stayed for $25 a month. Well, oh, would you like me to cancel all my plans for going to Bolivia and go to Africa? Because, you know, but it's, it becomes these weird expectations and culture. And so you, then you start kind of cowering down. It's just, it, it's toxic, right? It's toxic and it's dangerous. And it does affect the missionary um, in the short term and the long term. And I think all those are contributors as to why when people leave quit or whatever the case whatever word you want to use for it they're kind of looked at as like oh they didn't make it you know they did my friends didn't make it how long were they there three years or how long did you want them to be there you know yeah we've been on a mission field for 10 years going to 11 years but that doesn't mean that we were more successful if you leave next year yeah doesn't mean we're more successful to you do you do you deal with like do you think about this stuff like do you think about like have you ever thought about leaving the mission field? Um, I mean, I know the answer, at least on part of it, but. I mean, it, it's several times, you know, like we were talking before the podcast started that we actually left like twice. Yeah. <laughs> Melinda was like, we never left the mission field. Like, uh, <laughs> Simon was like, I didn't know you still lived in the Dominican Republic. And, and to be honest, the first time we did leave um, Bolivia, I did feel like, man, you know, like 
that a, a lot of the circumstances, situations were out of our control, but I felt like we we have failed, you know, like maybe more disappointed than, than failed, you know. But uh, and then especially even in the Dominican Republic, I felt like, man, that we missed it. That we screwed up. Why did we even come here? You know, um, that was a huge failure. Um, but but then like you and I, Ramon and I, we um, we actually talked about the work that God did in us and, and a lot of the healing that took place inside of us during our community, our time at the church that we, we were part of there and with our neighbors and um uh, personally, God really healed me in that time, and then the the work that I got to do with a lot of the girls um, was a process of healing for them too. So, I mean, God used used uh, my brokenness and to be able to um, see, sympathize, and have compassion for these girls and to work with them, even though it was a short period of time. I felt like God really moved a lot in our lives a lot and and used us there. So, I mean, looking at um, the work that was done, it wasn't a failure, but the time frame, it was one year. Like we literally sold everything we had in the states, moved to the Dominican Republic. No, we didn't have anything in the states. We sold everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Because we were just in we Bolivia. left. We sold everything we had in Bolivia, moved to the Dominican Republic, started over, right? And a year later, we had sold everything we had or gave everything away there and and moved again. So it was like a quick, quick turnaround, and I felt like a failure, honestly. Um, and it took me a while to realize that that it, it wasn't <laughs> yeah I think you said something you said like you mentioned miss God mm-hmm. and I think that's a, I, I totally get the phrase but I think that's a phrase we have to be careful about throwing around and I, I say this in the not an abusive way but it, you can't miss a God of grace you can mess up but we have this like punishment mentality of like I missed my opportunity now I'm banishing myself like Jolie used to do that she used to punish herself like she would be bad, like do something wrong or whatever, and she would bring whatever her toy and give it to me. Here, Dad. I, I don't deserve it. And like she's, you know, hanging her head down or whatever, and like, uh, like self punishing herself. And I think we do that sometimes. If we we do, maybe God is pushing us to go somewhere to do something, but He's a God of grace, and so now it doesn't mean like, oh, whatever we do, He's graceful. That's not that's abuse now. And now we don't probably don't belong to Him if we have that mentality. Um, but at the same time, understanding that God is so much bigger than our poor decision making or our inability to follow his direction or, or tugging and pulling. So everything that you, that you go through, whether it be in the Dominican Republic or whether it be in Bolivia, the first time we lived here, this is our second time living in Bolivia. <laughs> like it's, he's, he used like all things work together. It really does. And you have to, you have to believe that without trying to visualize that because sometimes i think in the middle of it okay well how's this gonna work for my good and then so we, we start twisting and trying to force stuff to happen but it's just continuously if you fall off or you go into a place where you make a decision where you shouldn't have or whatever or make a decision for the wrong reason or whatever you understand that okay let me get back on track but understand that even this god is going to use for his glory all, all things work together for you know for those who love him and are called according to his purpose to his purpose and so they work God's going to get the glory out of this and he's going to, it's going to, it's, it's for my, it's for my good. This is for my good. Even my mistakes and stuff, as long as I'm still abiding and walking and living in him, mm-hmm. it's for my good. And so just understanding that. And so everything I think that we went through in Bolivia the first time and everything, all that stuff of filling with failure and stuff in the Dominican Republic and like leaving there, like, cause when we left there, I was done. Like I, 
I was done with missions. Like I just didn't. I, I was done with everything. Like I just didn't want to. I didn't want to do anything. It was crazy. But God used that time to prepare us for where we are now. Yeah. So I don't know that had we not gone. I don't know if had we not gone through those rough times, will we be able to do what we do now and do it in the way that we do it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just with the building of the church and stuff. We just have such a, a wider perspective and such a a deeper perspective and understanding of how church works, why it exists, how it's supposed to, you know. And so, like, he really does use everything for his. And even with Simon coming here, like, I I feel like the stuff that we've gone through, and this is not sacrificial lamb-wise, but, like, I feel like, oh, we've gone through all this crap, and he's essentially more or less the next generation of missionaries. And so, okay, how can I share with him all this stuff that we've gone through, our mistakes too, like just being transparent about that so that he doesn't have to, oh, well, I learned the hard way, so you got to learn the hard way. That's the stupidest thing ever. It's stupid, but it's what's been done, yeah. And I'm not saying you're my kid, by any means I'm not saying that, but we don't raise our kids like that. Mm -hmm. I don't say, oh, well, I learned to not put my finger in the socket by doing it, so put your finger in that socket. That's, That's foolish. I lost a finger by, you know, slapping a neighbor's dog, so you lose a finger. Like, that's that's silly to say that and do that. And so, obviously, if I'm missing two fingers because, you know, I was grabbing a snake or something, well, then when I see my kids, hey, don't grab snakes. Like, you see this? Like, don't grab like, don't grab snakes. I'm missing two fingers or whatever. And so, I think in missions and ministry and every aspect of life, it should be the same thing. It's like, okay, we went through all this. Glory to God. Now, how can we help Simon not fall into the same trap or not go have to go through the same thing or struggle with the same, you know, identity or well, I don't know any any type of issues you want to you want to put up how can we what can we share with him so that he can pass us up and maybe that's the hurtful thing right it's like so that he can pass us up mm-hmm. and be better missionaries than we ever could have dreamed of because he's 20 well, you're 24 now happy birthday Simon by the way Simon had a birthday last week was it a week, yeah, a week and a day ago or something like yeah, that a week, and a, day. a week and a day ago oh we'll talk about that at the end party hard forgot about it um <laughs> he did that you did and so uh so, but yeah, he, he's 24, and so the reality of his, his I'm talking about him like he's not here, but the reality of his, um, his missions, what's it called? Like his... Path? Trajectory? Tra- tra- uh, I can't say that word. Trajectory. Mm-hmm. His missions trajectory is, the reality of it is he's going to be way more effective and way, like, a, a much better missionary than I am. Now, how am I going to take that? Do I want to say, like, oh, that sucks because I've worked hard. I've gone through. You don't know what I've been through. I went through this, and I had to put up with this, and I had to do this. Because that's the natural tendency. Or can I be like, man, glory to God. He's on my team. It's like you play on a team with Michael Jordan. You don't get mad when he makes a bucket. Mm-hmm. You, you keep passing him the ball. <laughs> like, oh, he's mm-hmm. hot. And so we want Simon or whoever else to get hot, not so we can be lazy, but, like, we want to win. We want to win. And so, passing away, if you move to Nicaragua tomorrow, we want to keep passing you the ball. Like, dude, yeah. If someone becomes some type of YouTube sensation and missions and people get, <laughs> he's shaking his head. But I mean, you know, just whatever. If he becomes some mission superstar, I don't need to come in and be like, well, he worked with us. Like, you know, like, no, like, make, keep going. So, I mean, yeah, for the glory of God, like, do this, whatever. And just seeing the long term thing or whatever. But I guess it all, all this, everything, I guess it comes down to humbling yourself and trusting God. Yeah. I think you said you said something that I, as missionaries, I don't think we do enough of, and it's it's being transparent. 
with yeah. interns, with uh, people who ask, how are you doing? How's it going there? We always want to give them the highlights, right? Yeah. Oh, this is great. 50 people came to church this Sunday. Three new visitors. and I got ants in my house. We don't ever say that. No. Well, <laughs> that's irrelevant. Uh, is it? <laughs> well, uh, it's not irrelevant. If they bite you all, all over the place, yeah, then you it. pop the bite and then it gets infected. And then anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I didn't know this happened. News yeah, to me. Good. You never got an ant bite filled with pus, like white. Yeah, liquid, yeah. I mean, liquid. But yeah, you never popped it. Uh, yeah, they pop, but they that's pop. it. No. Okay. Anyway, um, so <laughs> so I think uh, going back to like even why missionaries leave is because we're never fully honest with ourselves or feel like we can't be honest, and so we inter not internalize. We keep all of the the failures or perceived failures in our head, and it, it drives in, us crazy. Turns into a prison. Yeah, it, it's like. It, you physically feel like, man, I'm failing because this youth, this teenage girl that I've been discipling at youth group got pregnant. And, oh, man, you know, I've, I don't, you know, it's worse. She's worse off than she was before. I can't, mm -hmm. you know. And so you keep that all in your head instead of when saying, someone says, how's it going, man? Just really just pray for our church or pray for us because of this, this and that. Yeah. But but the, the front that missionaries feel like we have to put on, like we've, and, and it's just it breaks my heart. I was talking to Roman about this, and it's interesting because I've often thought about wanting to do a study on it. But the amount of women, specifically, who have left the mission field have just are not mentally healthy. Um, you know, we've we've seen a lot of people get divorced. That's a male and a female thing, right? Not just women, but um, uh, women who have needed some really deep counseling and. A, a friend who committed suicide and like just why yeah, there's something wrong here. Yeah. like you know what i mean there's and something it needs to be addressed and we just keep it quiet you know and maybe that's the problem maybe there's nothing wrong with the person i mean i get there is but the bigger problem is there's something wrong with the culture where you feel like where you feel so much pressure and stress and but pressure and stress Plus isolation puts you in that space, you know? Yeah. You don't feel like you can talk to anybody, but you're also stressed out by the expectations that maybe you've put on yourself or maybe the culture's placed on you, maybe a certain church or individual's placed on you. But then you also feel like you have no one to talk to, vent to, seek help from and whatever. And so, I mean, that's a dangerous combination. It's a, it, deadly. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a lethal combination, really, you know? Because it puts you in a dark, dark place. And, you know, obviously leaving the place that you've lived for, whether it's five or, or 50 years, is already, you know, traumatic. But then you put it in a place of isolation and a place where you feel like you failed. And now the enemy speaks to you more about your failures now because you're isolated. And, yeah. and now you're dealing with struggling with this stuff. But then trying to convince everybody on the outside that you're not struggling with anything because you're actually happy leaving the place that you live forever when you're actually the most unhappy you've ever been in your life. And struggling with the fact that, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we're good, we're good, we're good. I'm blessed and highly favored, whatever you want to say. But you're really struggling with failure on the inside. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's living this very opposite and dangerous line of because now you feel like you have to live up to these standards, even though it's over. You know, I think it's just it's, it's toxic, man. It's, it's just a dangerous thing. And it, 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 something that needs to change. Yeah. It definitely needs to change. If you if you're a missionary and you come, if you leave tomorrow, then you had a successful year. Like, why would I say, oh yeah, Simon failed. He didn't make it. What? Like, how did you fail? Now, if you're down here and like you know you fall into sin and stuff, <laughs> we can say that's moral failure. Like, we we'll feel comfortable saying that you're drunk out and you fall out in the plaza. Like, just yeah, you you probably fail. But 
if you came and you served faithfully for a year and you love people, you connected with people, you were able to encourage and disciple people and build ministries and contribute to the, to the edification of the church. And how is that a failure if you leave tomorrow? Like, so, if, but if you were to leave tomorrow, then there would be this struggle of like, oh yeah, well, he didn't make it, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just weird. And so to put that weird pressure on you and then you go back and you're trying to be bubbly, but you're really like, man, I, did I fail? Did I let them down or whatever? It's just toxic. But like, I think what you're saying is, I mean, what you, I think what you're saying is absolutely right is we need to create a transparency in the culture to where we feel totally comfortable talking about this. Mm-hmm. Why not? But then also we need to be able to, we, us as mission, I'm speaking from my perspective. We as missionaries need to be able to. Tr- we need to be able to trust people on our part, but also other people need to be trustworthy and have these conversations. We have some great churches that support us. Mm-hmm. We can have. I mean, and we're really blessed compared to some of the stories I've heard. We can have conversations about, and I, I'll reach out about effectiveness and stuff like that. And just I don't know, the level of encouragement that we get from some of our supporting churches is amazing. Like somebody wrote me a message the other day, like, "Hey, we love you guys. Here's X amount of money." above what we give and you know we just want you guys to know that we love and appreciate what you do and you're awesome and blah 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 blah. and just it's freeing because you do even they didn't put those expectations but we do feel those expectations to produce and we are being productive but it's not a sexy production like oh look 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 30,000 people came to Christ yesterday you know now we built this or we have this or whatever I mean we all live here so we know our ministry is a grind and we know that we're building the foundations of our ministry right now. But at the same time, like you wonder, like, oh, how do they see us here? But most of our churches are like super supportive, you know, just like I get it, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, I talk to people every once in a while like, hey, just let like, you know what's going on. And they're like, man, praise God. You know, we love you guys. It's so awesome what you're doing. Like, I get it. Ministry is blah, blah, blah. They have, just have a good perspective on, on, on the way ministry works. Not always a flash in the pan or microwave, um, but sometimes it's a slow cooker, you know smoker <laughs> sometimes it takes a long time and you know i'm i'm super grateful for the churches that we have you know yeah. that that and the pastors that are and and also you're saying something about being transparent earlier and anytime i I love that anytime and i'm learning to love it more one of the best things is anytime that i have a challenge in ministry i can call them I, like i'm calling people all the time all the time asking hey how do you do this how you what do you think about this and like it's so, so much freedom and transparency they're like, man, uh, I did a wedding a couple years ago. Um, or no, I mean, it wasn't a wedding. It was a funeral. Good grief. That took a dark turn quick, didn't it? <laughs> it was <laughs> easy mistake to Everybody make. Everybody was happy. <laughs> Everybody was happy. Oh, I did a wedding. It was a funeral. Oh, cuts off podcast. Um, yeah, I don't know how I made that mistake. But anyways, I did a funeral. In your head, you had a picture, and in my head, I had a completely opposite yeah. picture because I was thinking of the reality. It was a funeral, and it was for a girl who was uh, she committed suicide, and she was a uh, she was a homosexual, and whatever. And so, um, her family, who we know very well, they asked us to do the podcast, and I didn't know what to. Yeah, I mean, good funeral. grief, guys! I haven't been getting rest. All right, they asked us to do this podcast. They asked us to do the funeral. Asked me to do the funeral. I didn't know what to say. So I, I called a bunch of people. And it was hilarious because they were like, man, I don't know. <laughs> like, I love that. Though. I love the honesty. But one guy, like, he, he, he was like, hey, let's talk on the phone about this. So he marked Thomas. He called and he was like, he was like, hey. And so he talked me through it and walked me through it. And so by the end of all that, and I talked to a few other people, I decided to do it. And it was a, I can't say it was a great experience, but it was it, me being vulnerable and saying, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to say. 
I don't know if I should do it. I don't know if I shouldn't do it. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what to do. Help me. Like that was like the most freeing, freeing thing of the whole, mm-hmm. of the whole situation. And so just having those people, I think everybody has those people in their life, but I just think we don't all depend on them as we should, because it is, includes making ourselves vulnerable and humbling ourselves and saying, I don't know. I don't, I have been struggling. My results aren't there. It, there hasn't been revival. Our church still only has 20 people instead of like, oh, we got new people every week. And you're taking pictures of, you know, like people from six months back that <laughs> whatever, you know, just trying to make it look successful in other people's eyes. But having that freedom of being able to to not only tell the truth, which is what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. But to to be able to seek help and, and advice and stuff. And um, I, it's been super freeing for me. And the more I do it, the more I enjoy it, you know. For so, those wondering, in case uh, people wanted to know how the, how the funeral Yeah, yeah, went. I was about to say that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, it went as good as you can expect. I mean, I just went and I preached the gospel, basically. I mean, it's a funeral, so it went great. Like, well, you know? I mean, their family are friends of ours, and so um, they said it was a beautiful beautiful funeral, and which you don't, I mean, I guess people say that about their family, yeah, loved it's, ones, homes, uh, whatever. But, beautiful but, yeah, wedding of her. They oh. said it was a beautiful funeral. No, nah, it, it was... It went well. I mean, I just went and I talked about eternity and I made the statement, I think, you know, she's gone, like, but you're still here. So let's not talk about her for a second. Let's talk about you. Like, where, what do you, you know, what, what happens and whatever. And I I just preached the gospel in the end. And so that's what I was advised to do. And I thought that was good, wise advice. Wise, yeah. And um, so I took that and. Yeah, so I did it. But I'm grateful to have those people in my life I can be vulnerable with and call for information. And I feel like I have to be like, well, but they're going to think I don't know what I'm doing. You're daggone right, because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, but for, for us, I think that's been a huge bonus is to have those people in our lives and stuff like that as supporters. But everybody doesn't have that. Right. Everybody doesn't have that. No, I remember when um, when my dad died, and and even for you, when your brother passed away, how many people were concerned about us, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I don't know if anybody thought, oh, they're going to leave the mission field. Maybe they did. Um, and, yeah, I know they did because yeah, some people were surprised did. we didn't. Um, right. Uh, but but how people would just check up on us, not not just the week after, you know, they passed, yeah. uh, but constantly, how are you doing? You know, I'm praying with you. Or randomly, they're not at, requiring a response from us. I just want you to know that we're praying for you and we love you so much and we believe the work uh, in the work that God is doing through you guys there. Just um, grateful to have those kind of people in our lives, those partners in our lives. And over the years, it's funny how they become like really good friends where you started off maybe just messaging mm-hmm. each other on Facebook. And now, One of, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying, and now they're like really uh, important people in our lives. Yeah, one of my best friends now is... I mean, I knew him before, but we connected when my brother passed away. He sent me a message out of the blue. And this was about five, six years ago. I can't remember how long ago it was. Are we in the DR? So that was, I don't know. Yeah, it about was, five years ago. Yeah, about five, yeah, it was five years ago, I guess. Coming up on five years. And so, but every, well, we've just been super close ever since then, you know. And so it's really cool. And Yeah, so I guess the lesson is faithfulness. Faithfulness and be on mission, you know. Like, man, just be faithful in anything you do. If you're, you, maybe, like, I don't know how long you see yourself being here, but you may be wrong about it. You may, you may say, I'm going to be here for one more year, and you may end up being here for five more years, or 10 more years, 30 more years, or 50 more years, whatever the Lord leads, 50. Um, or you may say, 
I'm going to be here for five more years and you may only be here for nine months more. You don't know that. So the don't, I guess we can't define success on our own terms. Mm-hmm. Just be faithful. And you can set goals and expectations of how long I'm going to be here. I won't, whatever you did. That's planning. That's, you know, biblical as well, but just make the main goal of life to be faithful. I think be faithful and not just faithful and faithful in missions, but faith, just faithful period. And also understanding the bigger picture of missions, overseas missions is specific, but that you're on God's mission, period. If you are a believer, you are on mission for God. You have a purpose, and your purpose is to go and make disciples. Go anywhere you, you know, and to, like, it, be just be faithful and understand that you're on mission regardless of where you work and where you are. Um, if missions, by chance, ends for us, and I have to go work at McDonald's, I have to understand that missions is not my savior. Jesus is. And because he's my savior, then I live my life like this. Exactly. I live my life like this in Trinidad. I live my life like this in Cochabamba or in Boca Chica or in McDonald's in Charleston, West Virginia, in West Sussex, United Kingdom. I got that right, no? Mm-hmm. Look at me. I'm basically British now. Um, <laughs> But like I, you know, I live my life for Jesus in all, the, in, regardless of where I am or where life takes me, or if something bad happens and I have to relocate or whatever. If they kick Americans out or whatever, that should not be able to ruin what God's plan for my life is. My mistakes can't ruin what God's plan for my life is, and your mistakes can't ruin what God's plan for my life is. You know, and so just being faithful and understanding that wherever I am, I'm on mission. And um, Joseph comes to mind, you know. You know, Joseph had plans for his life. He's his dad's favorite kid, and he has his little coat, you know. It makes me think of a Coogee sweater. <laughs> Nobody will probably get that uh, that reference, but I'll show you a picture of a Coogee sweater after the podcast. But he's a coat of many colors and, you know, whatever. And so he's the, he's the hyped-up kid. I'm sure he has dreams and goals for life. his life. He ends up a slave. He ends up a slave, but he's faithful. He's a faithful slave. He, he's on mission all the time. He's on mission. Like He, he understands that I'm just going to glorify God in what I do. He's faithful. He's a hard worker. He does that. He gets promoted. He gets cheated, and he gets thrown to prison. He's there for. He's in prison for a long time. When we tell the story, it makes it like he's did a quick little three months. But he said, like, he's in a place where no one even knows him when he gets back out. They don't even know who he is because everybody's changed and stuff. Like he's he's been in there for a long time, and so. But he's faithful the whole time he's in prison. He's faithful the whole time he's a slave. He's faithful in the top. He's faithful in the bottom. He's on mission on top. He's on mission on the bottom. He's faithful. He's on mission in prison. He's on mission as a servant. He's on mission as a slave. He's on mission as the boss. He's on mission all the time, regardless of the titles and all these variables change and they move and he has to move here and he has to move there and he loses this title and he gains this title and then he goes and loses this title again and he goes all the way to the bottom, to the top, to the bottom, to the top, whatever, but he's on mission the whole time and he's faithful the whole time and I think that there's no better lesson for us outside of Jesus and his, you know, and we see Paul suffering and stuff, but over the, you see all the ups and downs of this guy's life. I think that's a great example of who we're supposed to be now and missionaries, you know, we're specifically talking about missions, you know, and I think, great, man, be all you can be as a missionary. Be, that sounds like a cheap army commercial, but um, do, you know, do missions to the glory of God. Do your best and do everything. Give it your all. Mm-hmm. But then when it's over, it's not over. Just because missions is over, it doesn't mean that your life is over. Just because of, you know, uh, uh, Joseph, his 
first reign or whatever was over doesn't mean life was over. Had he never gotten out of prison, he still would have given, given God, God the same amount of glory in prison as he would have being the, he ended up being the ruler or whatever again. He still would have given God the same amount of glory. So it didn't matter to him. Because we tell the story like, oh, see what happens when you're faithful in the lows, then you get back to the highs. It's not always true. Just being faithfulness is the success. He was in prison. He, he was faithful. He was successful. He was a very successful man. They had forgotten about him and all this other stuff, but he was still faithful. So even if that story had ended there, it, it doesn't change the message. And you can, take, you can remove any part of that story that you want, and the message doesn't change. And I think that's the way our life should be. You should be able to move any piece you want and change any pieces around that you want, but the message of our life shouldn't change. Is Jesus is Lord. We, um, we are here to make disciples and, and proclaim the gospel to lost people. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves. Love them as Christ, and love one another as Christ loved the church, and and build His kingdom. Like that's regardless. That should be the message of our lives at the end of it. You know, I should tell the same story regardless of what parts change or don't change, whether it's tragedy or victory or whatever. Our, our life should tell the same story. That's good. And um, mm-hmm. just having confidence in Jesus and not in the missions culture and not in uh, supporting churches or not in your own in your own self because that's where most of this comes from. For being honest. It's pressure that we put on ourselves and expectations we put on ourselves. Exactly. Like what Simon was saying earlier, like, I'm going to <laughs> Go bring <for> walk. <laughs> revival. Like, Absolutely. You, we're making ourselves the savior. So that pressure definitely comes from me believing Absolutely. I am the person who's going to convert these people Absolutely. instead of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it's not an arrogant thing. It's just, you, it's a good, a, a positive, you have positive expectations. You want to, who doesn't want to be effective, right? Right. And so we have to picture what effectiveness looks like, which is great. We should do that. But the problem is, is when that doesn't happen, we can't view ourselves as ineffective just because what we expected didn't effectiveness, kingdom effectiveness, kingdom effectiveness is not measured by our expectations. That's not what we, oh, I, well, God sent me here to do this. If God sent me here to mop floors for 10 years, then I, I should mop floors faithfully for 10 years, even though maybe I had an expectation that I was going to be a circuit riding preacher or whatever all over Bolivia well maybe that's not what God's plan was so again be faithful here you know that Joseph when he got to that his first position I can't remember what he what he was when Potiphar's wife got over on him um you know he was like oh this is God's plan God is good and he's in this position he's looking around like oh this is it and then like he gets thrown into prison he gets caught naked or whatever and like you know she took his coat and stuff he's always getting his coat taken it was ripped he wasn't, he wasn't naked, was he? Uh, I think he, he, no, he, he was getting away. I think he left his coat behind. Oh, okay. I may have been ripped. I don't remember. But I always something happened with this guy's coat. He just needs to get a hoodie. <laughs> Hoodies are hard to take off. <laughs> you couldn't rip a hoodie. You ever ripped a hoodie before? No. Exactly. Never even had one with a hole in it. You can run faster with a hoodie. You got these big robes on. You can't. Aerodynamics. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the, <laughs> the faithfulness. <laughs> But the faithfulness is the key, you know, and I think that's something that we should push more in ministry when we talk ministry is just faithfulness and mission and not just to missionaries, but to everybody who to Christians in general. Be faithful. Be faithful, Christian. Love one another, Christian. You know, oh, but I'm just a fry guy at McDonald's. So be faithful. That has nothing to do with you with your ability to be faithful and to give God the glory kind of Christian. Right. Absolutely. Give him glory in everything you do. You don't feel like a failure. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Even if you feel like a failure, you just we know you're not. Them. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, I don't have legs. Okay. You can still glorify God and, you know, anything that you do. So. That was random. Well, I mean, well, I just mean, you know, like, if you're, if you're paraplegic or whatever, like, 
you know, like you, you you're disabled. You can't work. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I can't do anything. It's okay. like you can still. <laughs> Good grief. Oh, gosh. I'm not going to say anything else. Anyways, you got anything to add, Simon? Nope. You never have anything to add. You cover it all so well. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, I got to show him a coochie sweater. You got anything else to say? <laughs> have you ever owned one? I had one. No, no. My parents weren't buying that. I don't know. It cost more than two dollars. I have to ask my mom how I got that. She probably stole it from somewhere. Because <laughs> we did not have the money for that. I'm just joking. I know my parents are thinking when they hear me say that. Like that's not true. They're gonna call me tonight. <laughs> Actually, it is true. They weren't gonna buy me a koozie sweater ever. Those things are too expensive. Doesn't your dad have one? No. He has a brown and cream tan. Do you know what a koozie sweater is? I do. They're usually bright colors. Because he doesn't have that. My dad. Come on. He's not going to wear a coochie sweater, man. Like, anyways. <laughs> Good grief. I know that they're probably Googling it right now. Like, my mom is smiling. What's a coochie? C-O-O-G-I. Exactly. C-O-O-G-I sweater. Coochie sweater. And so, yeah, you'll see. Yeah, Google it. People who don't know what it is, which is probably everybody except for me and Melinda. If you want to. Yeah. Anyways, you got anything important to add? Jesus-centered? Um, Jesus is Lord. No, this was a good podcast, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know about that. We'll what? see. We'll see. I know, I'm just saying, I don't know. If I, we'll see on the playback if it was good or if it was all over the place. Mm. Whatever. You good? <laughs> well, you thank you for listening. Fun. We love you guys. We appreciate you all. And <laughs> I'm trying to take your job. <laughs> Am I getting paid for this? It's not a job. <laughs> Definitely not getting paid for it. All right, well. Ramon won't let me say provecho, by the you way. You just said it. All right. Okay. All right, well, thanks for everything. Uh, <laughs> no, thanks for listening. We love you guys. Provecho. <laughs>